I'm hoping we're actually on air. Alrighty. Sorry about this, folks. Uh, Pen decided to change how you direct call in. Let's try the intro. that. Uh, welcome to Progressive News Network Sunday show. I'm Janine Moloff, the producer and host. If you heard a little jabber, jibber jabber right before this, that's because apparently, um, uh, excuse me, uh, apparently Blog Talk Radio changed the way you do direct calling in and it was having some problems. We had a problem last week, in fact. Uh, we've gone through the entire show. It said we were on air. And it never aired. I do apologize. I will be redoing that show. It was an important one. Um, and needless to say, I'm not real happy with Blog Talk Radio. We're going to be looking for another home real soon. And as soon as we find one, I'll let you all know. Okay, so let's get on with the show. So if you saw the advert, uh, it says press freedom threatened as Marion County, Marion County record rated. Now, the Marion County Record is a local newspaper in, you know, rural Kansas. Uh, I think the whole town is maybe 2,000 people. And that this paper was raided by police a week ago. Now, there wasn't any real legitimate reason for the raid, but a judge did sign off on it anyway. Now, since the raid, major and small press outlets all over the country have cried foul. But the damage is already done. The raid is merely, in my opinion, the latest attack on a free press in the U.S., and whether it's the bogus charges against Julian Assange or this latest raid, press freedom is moving closer to what I said is DOA status, dead on arrival, and I'm going to discuss this growing threat. Uh, Then, you know, we were going to do a My Little Margie uh, episode, but it was the same stuff, so we're going to skip this week. We will have... Uh, some musical stylings of a new musical parody group. It's not Randy Rainbow this time. This group's called Founders Sing. So with no further ado, we're going to move on with the show. So first, the background of this story is about a week old, and it didn't take long for the per- proverbial to hit the fan. I- I'm, you know, I-, I don't know why last week's show didn't air. I'm kind of thinking maybe I was censored because there wasn't any technical problem. We'll find out later. So I'm looking at a piece. I like going to smaller outlets a lot of times. Um, A lot of times local reporters, frankly, get their facts correct, and they have more facts than the big wigs, you know, the talking heads at CNN or whatever. So this is another small paper called the Kansas Reflector. And the headline says, Police Stage Chilling Raid on Marion County Newspaper Seizing Computers, Records, and Cell Phones. Now, this was published a week ago, August 11th, uh, apparently right after the raid happened. And the piece was done by Sherman Smith, Sam Bailey, Rachel Mipro, and Tim Carpenter. Okay. 
So Eric Meyer is the publisher of the Marion County Record, uh, along with his mother. Now, there was this raid, and like I said, local law enforcement, according to this, seized, I I know they say seized, they took, they stole computers, cell phones, and reporting materials from the Marion County Records Office, um, as well as from the newspaper's reporters and the publisher's home. Now, Eric Meyer is the owner and publisher. Uh, He claimed police were motivated by they received notice from a confidential source that leaked what they call sensitive documents to the newspaper. And according to Meyer, the message was clear, quote, mind your own business or we're going to step on you. This is Meyer's opinion, end quote. Now, the entire city only has five police officers and then they have two sheriff's deputies. But according to um, Eric Meyer, they took everything that they had. And, um, you know, Mr. Meyer was looking for, he didn't know how he was going to go to press again. He had, you know, advertisements that people had paid for, stories that had to get out. So, once again, what, so what triggered this? Now, by now, everybody in the country is talking about it because, once again, it's, it looks like not only the police, but the judge broke a federal law. Okay? But I don't think this story was really about anything that this little newspaper did or did not do. This was about, you know, basically uh, the intimidation factor. All right. So apparently it was a local restaurateur, and um, she was having a little get-together for U.S. Rep. Jake LaTurner, okay? And the alleged confidential informant released information that the restaurant's owner, uh, let's see, her name was, what, Carrie Newell, uh, released this information that um, she had, uh, she didn't have a driver's license anymore, and she had a conviction for drunken driving. Now, Mr. Meyer, the publisher, said he had never heard of police writing a newspaper in all his, you know, time as a journalist, and, you know, he had been publishing the Milwaukee Journal for 20 years. He had taught journalism at the University of Illinois for 26 years. And Meyer's opinion was, well, quote, it's going to have a chilling effect on us even tackling issues, a chilling effect on people giving us information, end quote. And I think that was the intent. Um, So, you know, basically this restaurateur, Carrie Newell, claimed that there was some identity theft going on, and they got into her confidential information. I don't know what confidential information she's talking about. But if she's talking about a record of a conviction on a DUI on driving, you know, or DWI, uh, DUI driving under the influence, there's nothing confidential about that. That's a public record. The police know that. The judge knows that. Um, but once again, so this restaurant owner I'm going to back up a little bit here. Um, she was hold. Carrie Newell was the restaurant owner. She was holding this, uh, like, meet and greet, I guess it was, for U.S. Rep. Jake LaTurner. And the restaurant owner, Carrie Newell, uh, Carrie, I'm sorry, I keep getting her name wrong. Um, yeah, Carrie Newell. She kicked out reporters from my, from the paper. She didn't want them there. Okay. Don't know why, but she just kicked him out. So then 
apparently this this uh, confidential source came out, alleged all these these crimes, uh, and so the judge, uh, somebody named the judge, which is Marion County District Court Magistrate Judge Judge Laura Vr, um, you know, gave the okay to do the raid. Now it looks like Judge Vr violated federal law. And um, that's something, you know, this is in the federal law that she may have violated, according to the Cornell Law School, is, let's see, 42 U.S. Code 2008. It's called Searches and Seizures by Government Officers and Employees in Connection with Investigation or Prosecution of Criminal Offenses. Um, so she may have violated that law. I'm not an attorney. But what it does, in short, is the law requires law enforcement to subpoena materials instead of coming and raiding the place and seizing them. Uh, the judge was contacted, you know, by the Kansas Reflector, and I'm sure many other uh, press sources as well. But the Kansas Reflector is what I'm talking about now. She was contacted. Um, she did not respond to a request for comment. Uh, she did not explain why she would authorize what is, according to the reflector, a potentially illegal raid. Now, another person spoke up, uh, Emily Bradbury, who's the executive director of the Kansas Press Association, also said this, this police raid is unprecedented. In fact, Bradbury was quoted as saying, quote, an attack on a newspaper office through an illegal search is not just an infringement on the rights of journalists but an assault on the very foundation of democracy and the public's right to know. This cannot be allowed to stand, end quote. And she's right. Now, again, Eric Meyer reported a week ago that the restaurant owner named Carrie Newell, she had, again, backing up, she had kicked newspaper staff out of this public forum for Jake LaTurner. LaTurner's, according to this article, LaTurner's staff was actually apologetic. Um, but Carrie Newell was not. In fact, according to the reflector, Carrie Newell responded to Myers' reporting, quote, with hostile comments on her personal Facebook page, end quote. Well, she's entitled to do that. She wants to make an ass of herself. She can. But then this confidential source came through. Nobody knows, you know, again, contacted the newspaper, um, according to Meyer, and did provide evidence of Newell's conviction for drunk driving. And the fact that she continues to use her vehicle, even though she does not presently have a valid driver's license. Um, and, of course, for Carrie Newell, you know, that criminal record could jeopardize her, you know, attempts to get a liquor license for her catering business, according to this article. Um, so the Marion Record took this information and a reporter, you know, verified the information provided by the source using a state website, okay? Now, Eric Meyer did suspect the source was probably coming from Newell's husband. They're apparently filing for divorce. So Eric Meyer decided not to publish the story about that information. And then he alerted the police, you know, to this, you know, this situation. And according to Eric Meyer, the publisher of the, um, I'm sorry, the publisher, <laughs> I'm having it today, the publisher of the Marion County Record, um, 
you know, he thought they were being set up. Okay. Now, the next thing that happened, according to this article, is the police then notified Carrie Newell, and then she complained at a city council meeting. And she complained that the newspaper, quote, had illegally obtained and disseminated sensitive documents, end quote. But that's not true, okay? Um, And so her public comments then triggered the newspaper. They had to set the record straight, so they published a story that Thursday, okay? The next day, on Friday, officers showed up both at Meyer's home and the newspaper office. They had a search warrant in hand. The search warrant alleged identity theft and unlawful use of a computer. Okay, I don't know what unlawful use of a computer is, but again, so the search warrant, I'm just going to read straight from the article right now. Quote, the search warrant identifies two pages worth of items that law enforcement officers were allowed to seize, including computer software and hardware, digital communications, cellular networks, servers and hard drives, items with passwords, utility records, and all documents and records pertaining to Newell. The warrant specifically targeted ownership of computers capable of being used to, quote, participate in the identity theft of Carrie Newell, end quote. This is crazy. And then as the officers were in the news offices, one of the officers, uh, according to this this, uh, story, Entered the a reporter's finger because he he had grabbed her cell phone so forcefully because it was in her hand, um, and then Meyer was told that the officers would uh, take the computers, cell phones, and any other devices uh, to a lab. Okay, he doesn't know when he's going to get them back there, and unfortunately, the seized computers, the server, and the backup hard drive also include ads that they're running for their own revenue. Legal notices that were supposed to appear the very next day in the next edition. And so, you know, this really caused a problem for him. Now, Carrie Newell, the one that caused all this problem, she uh, she's basically wrote on Friday under a changed name on her personal Facebook account that, quote, she foolishly received a DUI in 2008 and, quote, knowingly operated a vehicle without a license out of necessity. Newell went on to say, quote, journalists have become the dirty politicians of today, twisting narrative for biased agendas full of muddied half-truths. We rarely get facts that aren't baited with misleading insinuations, end quote. Carrie Newell went on to say, quote, that the, that the, quote, entire debacle was brought forth in an attempt to smear my name, jeopardize my licensing through ABC, which is the State Alcoholic Beverage Control Division, harm my business, seek retaliation, and for personal leverage in an ongoing domestic court battle, end quote. Okay, that's practically an admission on her part that, you know, this was about her divorce. Okay, had nothing to do with the paper. So, you know, the law, so basically as these officers were raiding the newspaper and Mr. Meyer's uh, you know, home as well. Uh, when they were when the, the police were questioned, they were told that only the police chief, somebody named Gideon Cody, could answer any questions for the story. And don't you know, Chief Gideon Cody had gone home for the day and magically couldn't be reached by phone. Really. Now, uh, 
uh, excuse me, lost my place here. According to this Kansas Reflector story, um, lost my place again. Sorry, folks. The office of the Kansas State, Kansas Attorney General Chris Kobach um, wasn't available for any comment either. Isn't that convenient? Now, uh, a woman named Melissa Underwood, who's the communications director of the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, which would be, you know, the Kansas Bureau under the FBI, um, did reply by email to a question that the reflector asked them about whether the about whether the Kansas Bureau of Investigation was already involved in the case. And Underwood replied, quote, at the request of the Marion Police Department on Tuesday, August 8th, we began an investigation into allegations of criminal wrongdoing in Marion, Kansas. This inv- the investigation is ongoing, end quote. So I got the timing a little mixed up here. Now, the story ends here, you know, kind of comparing what's happening here. You know, Eric Meyer was a journalism professor at the University of Illinois, and he explained how he had graduate students from Egypt. Now, you know, graduate journalism students from Egypt would talk about, you know, how the authorities would raid a newspaper office, take everything so they couldn't publish. And then those same students presented a scholarly paper, you know, at a conference in Toronto, you know, about the effects of what the Egyptian officials have done to journalism there, which is pretty much kill it. And Meyer went on to say, quote, that's basically what they're trying to do here. The intervention is just like that repressive government of Egypt. I didn't think it could happen in America. Okay, so that's kind of the background. Now we're going to go into this a little more. This story is from NPR, and it was written by Danielle Kay and Bill Chappell. It was, um, let's see, when was it written? Lost my place, folks. Sorry. August 14th. Okay. Uh, The headline is, The Police Raid of a Kansas Newsroom Raises Alarms About Violations of Press Freedom. Of course it does. This is a likely violation of federal law. All right? Um, And this goes on where, you know, we can explain NPR did another piece by Holly Edgell titled, uh, Newspaper Raid in Kansas Did Not Stop the Presses, Did Start Scrutiny of Local Police. And that's what this raid really did. All right. If the police thought that they were going to just intimidate and silence a local press, they were wrong. Local press actually a lot of times is tougher than the big corporate ones. CNN might have backed down. Fox wouldn't have even, Fox would have made the police look like, you know, heroes. Local press doesn't do that usually. So the article goes, quote, as the nation learns more about the raid of the Marion County record, staffers at the publication keep working while advocates for press freedom offer support and demand answers from the local police. Okay, again, the circulation of the Marion County record is just over 2,000, according to this. It's family-owned. The publication goes back to 1869. A lot of, and the NPR explains how, you know, recent stories, Included, there was an article about a 10-year-old who plays music for senior center residents, and there's like, you know, stories about 
uh, property seized, uh, you know, people who owe back taxes, things like that. It's not exactly a heavy hitter, but it's local news that people knew that people need. But when the Marion Police Department decided to raid the newspaper, they really screwed themselves over. Now, there's a sadder note here. When they raided the newspaper and then they raided Eric Meyer's home, it stressed his 98-year-old mother, who also helped on the paper, and, you know, it stressed her enough that he believes it caused her death over that same weekend. Okay. Now, again, press freedom experts and advocates are explaining that this kind of raid is usually extremely rare in the U.S., and that's because there are constitutional protections given to journalists through, through the First Amendment. Excuse me. Okay. Claire Regan was quoted here. And she's the president of the Society of Professional Journalists. And she explained the raid in Marion is probably one of the most egregious violations of press freedom she's seen ever. Uh, Regan was quoted saying, quote, this definitely ranks up there, if not number one, among the top ten violations of free press and an assault on democracy. That's the frightening part of it all. End quote. They also quoted uh, and spoke to Assistant Professor of Journalism at Elon University, a man named Israel Balderas. And Balderas said the following, quote, I think this is a small event in a larger story. I think Marion has become a battleground over the First Amendment and the important role that it plays in making sure that a free press is protected. The press now is attacked more frequently, not just from politicians, but powerful forces. And this is just an example of people at the local level, end quote. Should be mentioned that Mr. Balderas is also an attorney. And he explained that when the local police conducted the raid like they did against the paper, um, they pretty much got themselves heading towards a federal case, all right, because the warrant is based on privacy law. Now, according to Balderas, the newspaper can actually seek relief from the courts. According to Balderas, quote, in the larger context, this newsroom can assert their rights, not just under the Federal Privacy Protection Act, but also their civil rights, end quote. Now, there's some more news here. There's a group called the Local News Initiative, and they're based at Northwestern University. And according to the Local News Initiative, the state of Kansas has lost approximately nine newspapers between 05 and 22. They go on to explain that the states of Kansas, Iowa, my home state of Missouri, Nebraska, have lost more than 170 newspapers during that same time period from 05 to 22. Uh, they also explained that all four of these states have several counties where there's only one newspaper. Uh, and this is really, you know, people that don't read newspapers don't understand. As old-fashioned as it sounds, newspapers are an important leg in trying to keep some semblance of civil rights and democracy going. Um, you know, again, Reagan and Balderas, you know, also pointed out the fact that if there is not enough public scrutiny 
you know, from the news media about this, what really is an illegal and unconstitutional attack that, you know, it could, you know, encourage, you know, more acts against journalists. Baldera said, quote, I would say the initial effort was to chill the free press rights of a, lo- of a local newsroom. But I go further than that. I believe this was an intimidation tactic. You know, we're all very curious about the justification for this egregious decision to raid the newsroom and confiscate all the equipment, end quote. Okay? Now, that last quote was actually from Regan, so I stand corrected here. So, Baldera said this was an intimidation tactic. Next one. The justification, you know, that we're curious about what's the justification for this egregious decision to raid the newsroom and confiscate the equipment. That's from Regan. Regan went also to say that, um, you know, uh, the the SPJ or Society of Professional Journalism leaders, they've reached out and they've attempted to get more of a response from the Marion Police Department they wanted details about the raid. They wanted information about the legal issues that they're claiming justify it. And Regan was told about criminality and that that announcement about alleged criminality will be announced soon, but the police department refused to give any further information. Now, members of the Society of Prof- uh, Prof- ah, I can't talk today, man. I am so sorry. Uh, okay. Members of the Society of Professional Journalists, I hate when they use acronyms, I just do. Okay. Um, they've also, so members of the Society of Professional Journalists, they've also contacted Eric Meyer, the you know, Marion County Records publisher, um, and Regan said Meyer, as well as his staff at the Marion County Record, they're, they're still producing journalism for the paper's website and they will publish their weekly issue. Now, uh, according to Regan, she said, quote, like so many of us journalists, he's persistent, he is persevering, he is dedicated to getting the information out and just getting over this interruption of information, end quote. Now, the Society of Professional Journalism also has a legal defense fund. They've pledged $20,000 towards the newspaper's uh, legal battle, okay, Um Regan explained, quote, we're just going to move ahead to support and help the newspaper recover from this brazen raid. The solidarity among journalists in our country has been amazing. It's really heartening to see us come together for one cause and to help this newspaper recover. Now, it isn't just the Society of Professional Journalism. There's other organizations that are also going on record opposing what the, you know, what the police did here. Uh, the other organizations include the National Newspaper Association, the Committee to Protect Journalists, and, Re- and the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. Uh, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press sent a letter to the Marion Police Department, um, one of you know, calling out the raid. Um, Valderas explained, "quote Quite frankly, it should never happen." And if it does, it should be under extenuating circumstances. And as the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press put forward in a letter sent to the police chief, none of that exists here. Okay. All right. So this is what's going on here. All right. This is really, of course, this is an intimidation factor. Um, So the laws, again, that 
were probably broken by the judge as well as the police. Okay, um, you know, it, it, this raid appears to violate federal law. Again, this is another article by National Public Radio. This is the uh, one by Danielle Kay and Bill Chappelle. And, you know, they go on to explain, they, they quoted Lynn Oberlander, who is a First Amendment attorney. Uh, according to Oberlander, regarding newsroom raids, that is, quote, it's very rare because it's illegal. It doesn't happen very often because most organizations understand that it's illegal. Now, there were several media law experts that uh, let NPR know the raid really does appear to be a violation of federal law. Uh, the federal law protects journalists against this kind of uh, raid. It's the Privacy Protection Act of 1980, and it, quote, broadly prohibits law enforcement officials from searching for or seizing information from reporters, end quote. Um, and the lawyer, Oberlander, did say there are exceptions to the Privacy Protection Act, uh, and they are, quote, important but very limited. Now, I'm just going to read straight from here. Quote, one such exception allows authorities to raid a newsroom if the journalists themselves are suspected to be involved in the crime at hand. In a statement sent to NPR, Marion Police Chief Gideon Cody cited this exception to justify his department's raid of the Marion County record. Uh, to quote Cody, Chief Cody, that is, quote, it is true that in most cases the Privacy Protection Act requires police to use subpoenas rather than search warrants to search the premises of journalists unless they themselves are suspects in the offense that is the subject of the search, end quote. Uh, I understand what Chief Cody is saying, but it doesn't hold water. Where is the identity theft? Explain that one to me. How was Carrie Newell's identity in any danger of being stolen? I want to know. There was no identity theft. And the information that she's really ticked off about, namely her you know, conviction for drunk driving, is a matter of public record. I can look it up right now if I want to. There's no identity theft here. And Chief Cody knows it. I'm going to just say it. In my opinion, Chief Gideon Cody, as well as the judge, well, Chief Gideon Cody, in my opinion, is a liar. He should just admit they did something wrong, but he can't do that. Now, the lawyer, Lynn Oberlander, the First Amendment lawyer, explained that that exception, quote, doesn't apply when the alleged crime is connected to news gathering, which appears to be the case in Marion. I'm going to say that again. So, you know, the chief got caught not only appearing to lie, in my opinion, but telling an incredibly stupid lie. Again, Marion Police Chief Gideon Cody is citing an exception in the Privacy Protection Act, claiming that they don't have to, you know, use the subpoena. They can just go straight to the search warrant if the suspects in the alleged offense are the subject, you know, are if the subjects are suspects in the offense, quote, that is the subject of the search. But the lawyer says, no, that exception, quote, doesn't apply when the alleged crime is connected to news gathering, which appears to be the case in Marion, end quote. 
In fact, Lynn Oberlander went on to say that's the lawyer, quote, it raises concern for me. It normalizes something that shouldn't be happening, that Congress has said should not happen, that the First Amendment says should not happen, end quote. Okay. NPR also spoke to another attorney named Ken White, who's a First Amendment litigator. And he explained that police raids in newsrooms, quote, used to be more common in the U.S., which led Congress to bolster federal protections against such searches. White, I'm just reading from the article right now, quote, White said the police raid of the Marion County record could also be a violation of the Fourth Amendment, which protects people from unreasonable searches and seizures by the government. The search warrant in Marion, signed by County Magistrate Judge Laura Villar on Friday morning, allowed officers to confiscate a wide range of items, from computers and hardware to reporting documents, end quote. According to White, a direct quote from White, quote, it's an abuse of power by the police, and it's a serious dereliction of duty by the judge who signed off on it, end quote. Uh, the article goes on to explain the judge VR couldn't be reached for comment. My, isn't that curious? Curious or incurious here. Now let's go to the alleged crimes, the identity theft allegations. This is just asinine. It really is. So the restaurateur, Carrie Newell, accused the paper of obtaining illegally, of illegally obtaining drunk driving records, you know, regarding her. Okay? Except that I don't know what she's talking about. Drunk driving records, unless she got a specific deal, for, like a favor from a judge, are not sealed documents. They are public records. Insurance companies use them all the time to see if you're going to be of greater risk, and then they raise the cost of your auto insurance. There's no – what is Carrie Newell whining about? Now, the paper – According to Carrie Newell, said they received this information from a separate source, uh, quote, independently verified it on the Kansas Department of Revenue's Division of Vehicles website, and decided not to publish it. Instead, the paper contacted the police. So, where's the crime here? The paper didn't publish anything. They just didn't. This sounds like, you know, a real... Uh, sense of this is retaliation by you know Carrie Myers I'm Carrie Newell it sounds like for whatever now um, the article goes on to say quote the search warrant as published by the Kansas reflector and verified by the police chief specifically allowed officers to confiscate confiscate documents and records pertaining to quote the identity theft of Carrie Newell the warrant also ties the search to, quote, unlawful acts concerning computers that were used to access the Kansas Department of Revenue Records website. Okay? Again, I don't know what they're talking about here. Now, the article also quotes a law professor at the United States Naval Academy who also specializes in the First Amendment. Uh, his name is Jeff Kosev. And Kostov claimed he was really kind of shocked that the county judge decided there was some sort of, you know, sufficient probable cause to sign off on this really sketchy search warrant. You know, Kostov explained that there would normally need to be, quote, a whole lot more for this to be a correct decision. Kostov went on to say, quote, I can't imagine a scenario in which all these other protections would be overcome 
to allow a raid on a newsroom. Okay? End quote. Kosev also referenced the First Amendment and the Fourth Amendment as well as the Privacy Protection Act. So this law professor cited three different possible violations, violations of the First Amendment, violation of the Fourth Amendment, as well as the Privacy Protection Act. Kosev went on to say, quote, this raid has been more than just potentially I'm sorry, let me do that again. Quote, this raid has been more than just potentially compromising sources. This has threatened the ability of the newsroom to operate altogether, and that's why we have all these protections, end quote. Now, NPR also quoted James Risen, who's a very renowned journalist, who is also the former director of the Press Freedom Defense Fund. Risen called the raid, quote, an outrageous abuse of power by local authorities, end quote. Uh, Risen said that the authorities, everyone that was involved in the raid should be investigated. Uh, Risen was directly quoted saying, quote, there's lots of precedent for bad behavior of local officials against the press. In each case, it has to be called out and stopped if we're going to protect the First Amendment in this country, end quote. And I agree with him. You know, it's, it's right there. And as for Eric Meyer, his, you know, thoughts were, he was quoted saying, quote, we cannot let this stand. They cannot put us out of business over this. That's just, that just is too bad of a precedent to set for the United States to allow anything like this to happen. So this is what we're dealing with here. And there's more. We're going to move on to, I, I kind of bear with me, um, all these things happen at once. Besides the technical difficulties on Blog Talk, my Google, uh, not my my Office 365 subscription changed. Um, what's it called? I had to update the server and it won't let me do it, so I can't access it right now. So I have to do this the old-fashioned way now. So it takes a little more time. Normally I have it right in front of me. I didn't know any better. If I were kind of paranoid, I think somebody's really trying to cause me some issues here. All right. So now we have a piece from The Guardian, okay, on press freedom. This is a, The Guardian does good work, okay. This is from Richard Luscombe, and this piece was published just a few days ago on the Friday the 18th. Uh, the headline is, Kansas Paper Raid Shines Light on Rising Anti-Media Rhetoric in the U.S. The subheadline is, Incident Charts a Disturbing Spike in Intimidation and Violence Towards Journalists Following Hateful Bombast from Politicians. Now, notice this is hurting little papers that these bullies know don't have the financial resources to normally fight. But keep in mind, nobody's attacking Fox, all right? Even though Fox, their people lie all the time. Well, maybe not all the time. 99.9%. Let's put it that way. Let's be fair. It's not going after OAN. It's not going after any of these wackadoodles on cable. Not at all. Drink here. All right, so let's look at this. So. Again, it goes into the same thing. You know, some people have compared this to Hitler tactics, which really isn't that outrageous. You know, the police acted like brown-shirted thugs. The judge signed off on it. 
Uh, I don't know if her position, I don't know if the judge's position is elected one or not, in which case, you know, does Carrie Newell back her? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be investigated here. But there, there's been an increase in hostility towards press. Um, and again, politicians hating the press unless they t- do what they want them to do. Nothing new there, right? Nothing new there, but this has gotten out of hand, okay? People are attacking reporters. It's been going on for a while. It's been getting worse, I would say, not just since Trump. I'd say since the Tea Party, in all, in all truthfulness. Um, there's been, you know, deadly attacks. A year ago, there was an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal named Jeff German who was stabbed to death in his home, allegedly, quote, by a public administrator whose wrongdoing he had exposed. The killing had parallels with murders of five newspaper staff by a gunman who attacked the office of the Capitol Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland, in 2018. End quote. Okay. This article goes on to explain that, quote, the nonpartisan U.S. Press Freedom Tracker database has recorded almost 1,750 violations since 2017, including hundreds of actions against the media by law enforcement, politicians, or private citizens. End quote. Okay. This is really frightening. You know, I'm looking at a picture here, a surveillance picture of the Marion Police Department just going through everything. Um, it's just, it's hit, it's hideous. Now, this article did quote the program coordinator for the New York-based Committee to Protect Journalists in U.S. and Canada, and her name's Catherine Jacobson, and Ms. Jacobson you know, quote, also saw a correlation between anti-media hostility from Trump and others and the very concerning increase in aggression towards the press. Okay? So this, you know, you can't blame everything on Trump, as much fun as it would be, but, you know, again, Trump has called him the lying press. Trump didn't make up that particular phrase. that He took that straight from Hitler. Hitler used to call him that. Because, again, the press is supposed to keep politicians, you know, accountable to what they're supposed to do. Mm. More water. Um, So Ms. Jacobson did speak to The Guardian from Marion, Kansas. She's been helping the record staff, quote, handle the fallout from the raid. She called the police action, quote, a blatant violation of judicial process. She went on to say, quote, it's still unclear exactly why local police felt so emboldened to conduct such a sweeping search of the town's paper. But part of it, of course, is national rhetoric and the politicization of the media, which kind of creates a permission structure for authorities to feel emboldened to go after local journalists or journalists more broadly, end quote. She went on to say, quote, but it's important to recognize the nuances that exist within that. It's not always just down to political lines. Sometimes local officials who want their way feel they're kind of able, feel that they're able to kind of walk over judicial precedent and understanding of media protections to get it. Um, but, you know, she Jacobson is, I think, you know, a little cheered up by the fact that the newspaper is getting support from all around. 
you know, she went on to say, quote, people recognize the importance of a local paper and having local journalists who are in the, who are in the community on the ground. Um, they have an understanding and hold power to account. She went on to say, quote, it sounds basic, but support your local journalists. People across the U.S. and globally should think about the journalists in their communities and recognize the importance of their work. They face decreasing wages, long hours, staff shortages, the whole shebang, and it's really kind of a bleak picture sometimes. It's important to recognize the burdens local journalists carry and the vital role they play in ensuring our democracy remains strong, end quote. And, you know, I agree with all this. Um, it's not new. I remember back in '09, I think it was, uh, the Obama administration was dealing, was trying to push the Affordable Care Act. And local representatives, like here in Missouri, Russ Carnahan, 3rd District, was holding like this big town hall. And there were, the Tea Party was, you know, had a big, heavy presence there. And some black uh, union activists came there, among which was a local reverend. And I remember that, you know, the the union activists were pounded on by the teabaggers, while the county police just looked the other way, literally. On their own evidence tape, they looked away. Uh, the black minister got into a tussle with a teabagger who happened to be another black man. Uh, his name was, uh, uh, his last name was Gladney, the, the teabagger. And they, you know, there was, you know, there were um, signs and T-shirts and they had, you know, Obama and whiteface and all sorts of racist stuff. And the minister was just saying, man, why are you doing this? Well, the two men got into a tussle. Now, I'm going to be honest. These two middle-aged men got into a little shoving match. I've seen eight-year-old kids on a playground play fight better than these two middle-aged men. It was hardly much of a fight. But Gladney, you know, was jumping down. He was in better shape than the than the good reverend. And um, while the good reverend was down, there were I remember these two white men who were later identified as attorneys with the Tea Party. I forget which organization. And they were kicking the reverend in the stomach while he was laying on the ground. And I could see these white police officers look down at that what was going on and then look away. This was the evidence that was presented in court, by the way because I did a, uh, an actual report on this, on the police and prosecutorial abuse, and it published in Huffington Post. So this has been going on for a long time. During Ferguson, remember Ferguson? Yeah. During the day, there were reporters, including reporters from Fox, that were at brutally attacked by the police. All right? There was there's a McDonald's. Uh, on West Florissant and Ferguson that a lot of the reporters would go to to get a soda, a burger, whatever. You know, it had Wi-Fi, do their stories from the road, whatever. And that was the McDonald's that the whole country saw. And police came in and they, they literally pounded on these reporters, didn't matter who they were, shoved one reporter's, bashed one reporter's head into the soda machine, this was all reported by the New York Times, Washington Post. They did this to Fox reporters. There was, it was brutal. I don't know why anyone is shocked by what's happening here. The fact is, 
police brutality has been attacking reporters now for some time. What happened to this newsroom is hideous. But let's look at the bigger picture here, because there is a bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that while we do need some modicum of policing, the police are out of control. Okay, they just are. I mean, when I go to cover a a story and the police are around, I'm going to tell you something. I don't wear a press pass. No. That's an invitation to get pounded on. I dress like I'm just a regular person, and I, I sneak my pictures in, and I just get my story that way. Because that's what's going on here. So let's look a little more at this, because this... This is really something, like I said, it's been going on for a long time. All right, so we have here a few more instances. We have uh, a piece from FAIR, (coughs) excuse me, which is uh, the acronym for Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. Give me a second to actually type this in here. I hate having to do things this way. Sorry about this, folks. Uh, takes a minute. I'm not a typist or a stenographer. Okay, so the this piece here um, by Fair Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting. This was published the 14th. Um, it says, "quote The headline is Raid on Kansas Paper Shows Perilous State of Free Press," written by Ari Paul. So again. The raid happened on August 11th. This piece was on the 14th. You know, besides raiding Eric Meyer's newspaper and his home and his reporters and everything else, it's the cops rummaged through her things and the Gestapo tactics, as Mr. Meyer calls it, that his 98-year-old mother, who he claims was in good health, though, died over the weekend. Okay? Meyer told Fair that after the raid... His mother was, quote, beside herself. She wouldn't eat and she couldn't sleep and finally went to bed around sunrise. Okay. And then Meyer's mother was a co-owner of the paper. She did tell her son that the whole affair was, quote, going to be the death of me. And it was. She died the very next afternoon. Okay. Now, Meyer's been getting calls from lawyers and journalists. Um, You know, once again, we've talked about all these things here. But this isn't the first time. This is the latest incarnation. That's what we have to remember. All right? You know, there was outcry when journalists, whether it was conservative propaganda like Fox or legitimate news like from the BBC or the Washington Post or whatever, the police in Ferguson violently attacked reporters on a regular basis. Make no mistake about it. And nothing happened to those cops. And these reporters, they weren't doing anything. They just didn't want any witnesses. And this is about, according to Farron, I agree with them, this is about silencing critical journalism. Okay, It is. So I'm just going to read straight from this article here. It says, quote, when an anti-corruption newspaper in Guatemala gets shut down and its publisher is thrown in jail, according to the Washington Post, our Hong Kong publisher 
known for opposing the expanding powers of police, is imprisoned, according to the AP Associated Press. Americans might be outraged, but figure these tribulations of that these, I'm sorry, are the tribulations of less open and democratic societies. The Marion County record case is a reminder that the United States is no stranger to local to local powers using their authority to silence what is left of critical journalism, end quote. And it goes into several different instances, and this is what you need to know. So there were officials in Delaware County in the Catskills uh, region of New York. Um, there was some critical reporting in a local paper called The Reporter, and these... Uh, these officials didn't like that. So, quote, the county stripped the newspaper of a lucrative contract to print public notices. End quote. The New York Times in 23 reported, quote, noting that the county admitted to the reporter that, quote, the decision was partly based on the manner in which your, report, in which your paper reports county business. Okay, end quote. So, and this hurt the paper. It cost them 13000 a year in revenue, and they're a small paper. And according to New York Times, this type of political retaliation against critical journalism has happened in multiple states. My home state of Missouri, there's been several attempts to intimidate or just stop journalists. Uh, In St. Louis, uh, I'm just going to read straight from this. In St. Louis, quote, a judge forbade, quote, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch from publishing material from the mental health evaluation of a man accused of killing a police officer, and that's according to the Riverfront Times, an apparently unconstitutional prior restraint on the press. goes on to say, quote, Missouri's then-Attorney General Eric Schmidt, now a Republican senator, quote, filed a request in June 2022 asking for three years of emails sent and received by professors while they worked at the Columbia, Missouri, and according to the Associated Press, a clear intimidation tactic towards journalists whose publications are attached to public universities. The state's governor also pursued a criminal investigation into a post-dispatch reporter who found security breaches on a government website, although no charges were ultimately filed, according to USA Today. I remember that last one. Um, The Department of Education here in Missouri is led by a moron, in my opinion, and their uh, IT person is even more irresponsible and the reporter was just looking to see you know what pay scale was for certain teachers and by accident he was able to access you know the social security numbers of every teacher in the state it was right there it was simple okay it was not hacking but because the governor didn't want to be embarrassed he was trying to get the attorney general to file criminal charges against the reporter. Okay, that's what's really going on. This is not just what happened to, you know, in Kansas. In Los Angeles, uh, the city of Los Angeles sued a knock L.A. reporter as well as a police accountability group because they published information about the L.A. police department officers. Um and that's according to KTLA and the LA Times. Uh, other outlets, you know, help defend the reporter and the group. Fair themselves, you know, fairness and accuracy in reporting has also covered prosecutions with eventual acquittals 
uh, one of a Des Moines Register reporter that was covering a Black Lives Matter protest in 21. Uh, they also covered, Fairs also covered the trespassing convictions of two reporters with the Asheville Blade that were covering uh, the police clearing of a homeless encampment. Okay? This is nothing new. And this is the part we all have to be very cognizant of. It isn't just what happened to the Marion County reporter, which is egregious. This is happening over and over and over again, and it has to stop. We have local officials that abuse their power so many times. We just do. And something's got to change. So this is what we're talking about here. Um, There's going to be more about this. Let's see, there's one more piece that I wanted to present to you guys. Tell you, this is from the National Press Foundation. Give me a second. Hopefully it'll come up. Yeah, here it is here. Okay, this was published four days ago, August 16th, from the National Press Foundation. Again, the same raid. The article is an affront to free press. Kansas newspaper raid is egregious violation, and it is. Now, the National Press Foundation has been around to help journalists improve their craft for like 50 years. Um, And I'm just reading straight from this. They said, quote, we are hard-pressed to recall any violation of freedom of the press during our existence as egregious as that which occurred last Friday, August 11th, when the offices of the Marion County Record in Kansas were raided by local law enforcement. Okay. Now it goes on to explain there was a dramatic reversal Wednesday. The Marion County attorney, quote, withdrew the warrant and arranged for the return of the seized materials, concluding there was insufficient evidence to support an alleged crime based on the places searched and the items seized. It goes on to say, quote, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation is now leading an inquiry related to the law enforcement action, the agency said. Now, according to this group, that's the right result under the Privacy Protection Act 1980. That's, again, the federal law that limits searches of newsrooms and seizures of documentary materials or any other journalistic work product. Um, And they go on to say, quote, the record, that's the newspaper, quote, the record engaged in no illegal activity, which was the only potential applicable and now rejected justification for Judge Laura Viart issuing this warrant. Okay, we hope the same conclusion will be reached by the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. And it goes on to explain that the police chief and his officers, they didn't just attack a free press. They attacked the entire town. That was their only, that was their one news outlet. Okay. So there's more information here. We will have another show covering that. One other thing, it looks like the Kansas Bureau of Investigation um, dropped their their investigation of this. Give me a second. Give me a second. I think it's like alrighty. I'm looking, I'm looking. Well, 
I'm not sure about that one. Okay. This is an ongoing story. Again, sorry for the haphazard way I've had to report things today. Again, normally this computer is not, I don't know what's going on. It, I can't access my Office 365. So, so as far as I know, the Kansas Bureau of Investigation is still um, is still into this case, <clears throat> but looks like I thought they were dropping it. They don't have a case. All right, so we know the search warrant has been withdrawn. Um, you know, one thing they did get out another uh, another edition and. The Marion County record, the headline, I love the headline on their first page, on their front page it is. In capital letters, the word seized, but not silenced. And then it explains how the Kansas Bureau of Investigation is taking over. All right. So... You know, this there's a First Amendment debate going on. This is out of line, and we know it. Okay. So we will keep updated about this. Uh, like I said, again, I apologize for the kind of the casual way things were reported today. I can't access my notes in Office 365, so I have to look it up each time, and that's that's why we have these long pauses. All righty. So that's what we're talking about here. I hope you learned something from it. Um, you know, once, oh, one other thing. So we talked about several different things. Let's look at the fact that we're living in an era where not only are small papers being attacked, but then you have an instance where, you know, People like Julian Assange, who in my opinion is a whistleblower, you know, is facing a lifetime, no, more than a lifetime, like, what was it, 180 years in prison or something? Um, once again, he made available information that the public had a right to know. This is whistleblowing. So according to The Intercept, as of June 1st, the FBI has reopened the case around Julian Assange, um, even though the Australians have pressure to end prosecution because Assange is actually an Australian citizen. It's by Ryan Grimm, Ryan Grimm that is. Um, this started with the Obama administration, but it's continued through the Trump and now the Biden administration. I'm going to say it once, and I'm going to say it again. Journalism is never a crime. It just isn't. You know, whether it was the Afghan war diaries where we saw our military used drones to murder people in Afghanistan and then call these these people, men, women, and children, bug splat. Bug splat. There's no excuse for this. Assange embarrassed a lot of powerful people. But the fact is, what about all the other outlets that use that information and publish it. I published a piece in Huffington Post back then during the Obama administration using some of the same information. 
when our government or any government is doing something that is clearly illegal, unconstitutional, crimes against humanity, yes, we have a right to know. We just do. They're going after Assange because Assange embarrassed a lot of them, a lot of powerful people and nothing else. So those of you that didn't want to get involved with Julian Assange, but you're somehow aghast by the attack on the American County record, the two are connected. And if you can't see that, that's pathetic. The two are connected because the issue is press freedom. The issue is, you know, whistleblowers. You had someone like Reality Winner, who was a whistleblower. She detected that, yes, the Russians were trying to interfere with our elections in 2020. She got prison time. Trump took top-secret documents, put them in unsafe areas where God knows who could have could access them. Trump incited a coup against the government. He's still walking around. This is what's happening here because the people that they're attacking are the press. And when we're heading towards authoritarian regimes, one of the first groups they attack are the press. And we need to stick together. We need to realize that this is what, that this is about all of us. You don't have to like Julian Assange. That's not the issue. But the U.S. government had no no right to go after him in the manner they've consistently gone after. And that's, every president connected with that case was in the wrong. That means Obama, that means Trump, and that means Biden. So here on this show, we're an equal opportunity harasser. We're not going to go into it too much today. Um, I want to be able to go over this a lot more. But I wanted to bring up that point. This is an editorial point. We have to protect all of us. We just do. Uh, about, oh gosh, I think it was a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I was visited by the police. Um, I, our local utility, Spire, which delivers gas, was trying to get uh, clearance for a new pipeline. And they were determined to get the clearance, you know, no matter what. And they were sending emails to all the customers saying, you know, if we don't get this this pipeline through, we might not be able to get gas through to the St. Louis area. You'll just go cold. And panicked a lot of people. Now, the media tried to blame it on the environmental group. I think it was the NRDC, National Resources Defense Council, saying, well, it's those crazy environmentalists. Except it wasn't. See, the difference is this. I actually went to the court documents, all right, and I read all four legal illegal briefs. And on one of them, on page three, it said clearly that Spire, there were like, I think about five different gas lines led into the area. Spire had closed down four of them. And they'd also closed down the methane field, which... Uh, keeps pipes from, from freezing, okay, because it gets that cold. We get zero degrees sometimes here. And um, it was right there. Now, I called the CEO. took a while to find her information. And I admit, you know, I, we did a few shows on this. I wanted an answer. And I'm like, what are you trying to pull? 
And I had also contacted the public affairs person handling this, and I sent him email questions. And then I sent the the very uh, the day after, I called the PR person again and said, "Are you going to answer my questions? Yes or no? That's all I needed to know." I'm driving home. I've got my geriatric dog who's 15 years old, pit bull mix. We're in the car. I'm pulling into my driveway. There are these three cop cars in front of my house. And these officers come in, and they block my driveway. They've got, you know, they've got that stance where the feet apart, and they've got their, you know, their hand ready to go on the gun. Yeah. And they, you know, basically said they were from the St. Louis City Division of, what was it, Public Intelligence, something like that. And they said, you made some phone calls. Yeah. Spire, yeah, we need to know what it was about. I asked them why. Now, mind you, this is already a threat right here. They're already threatening me because they're demanding to know the content of any of the phone calls I sent. I mean, I wasn't obligated to say anything. And I said, you know, I am a journalist. And right now, this is a violation of my First Amendment rights. Well, we just want to talk to you was their response. And I hadn't done anything wrong, so I said, well, you know what? I actually don't have to talk to you, but the fact is I just wanted to know if their PR person, you know, was going to answer my questions that I emailed to him, yes or no. That's it. But this was an intimidation tactic. It was frightening uh, because I was asking very difficult questions, including, you know, one of the questions I sent the PR person was, you know, regarding the fact that didn't Spire cause this problem in the first place by closing gas lines um, and creating an artificial crisis. So once again, I asked about apparently the complaint came from Spire. Okay. And once again, this is an abuse of police. Just is. All right. So, uh, you know, they eventually left. But, you know, I told them, I said, I'm well within my rights. You don't have any right or reason to bother me. So unless you're going to arrest me, you need to leave. You know, once again, this is, uh, you know, it was ridiculous. And I asked for their card. One of them was actually dumb enough to give me his card. I couldn't believe it. I didn't put his name in the story, but I could have. Um, you know, once again, Hire big money, intimidating a local reporter. So I did two shows on PNN about it because I was so hot and mad about it. And I wrote an article about it that you can check out once again. And I included that information in it because that was, again, police abuse. Did they rough me up? No. Did they, you know, actually physically strike me? No. Did they prevent me from going someplace? Yes. On my own property, no less. I'm still angry about it. You know, once again, this has been going on for a while, and we need to change this. This is outrageous. Journalism is not a crime. It's just what I have to say about it. All right, so now... We're just going to, we're not going to do Marjorie Taylor Greene today, my little Margie. We are going to end with this little ditty 
It's not Randy Rainbow. It is a musical parody group called Founders Sing, and the person singing is supposed to be Trump. And it it's pretty funny. So here we go. Okay, that's our show for today. I hope you learned something. Um, I know it was a little bumpy today. Hopefully I'll get my technical issues sorted out. You know, just on, again, an editorial note before we end. You have to realize you can't maintain any sort of democracy or democratic rule without not only a free but a vibrant press. One that will print the truth regardless of who is inconvenienced or insulted or compromised in some way. You know, this is why you know something like Fox is so incredibly dangerous because once again, they just sit up there and they lie with the truth right in front of them. And we need to counter that with again, good journalism that. Yes, tells the truth, even if it's one of our guys, the truth changes for no one. And the fact is, Trump didn't start this attack on the free press. That's one thing I want to mention, okay? He didn't. But he exacerbated it. He made it so much worse. Trump has made it acceptable to be violent, 
openly violent. He's made it, Trump has made it acceptable for some to be openly bigoted. He's made it acceptable to attack the press. He calls it the lying press. Again, this is a line straight from Hitler. That's not hyperbole, it's truth. And then these people, these Trumpers, they project their crimes onto us. They're calling people like me a Nazi. I'm a Jew who lost family in the Holocaust. But once again, they're not about the truth, and we have to expose this so that the actual raid on the Marion County record is so important, we cannot let this stand. Not only should the police department and the judge be sued, but everybody connected with it should be criminally investigated and most likely charged, tried, and convicted, and incarcerated. Because what they did was wrong. And it isn't just the cop. That judge knew better. This investigation needs to go much deeper now. It needs to look into, was there any sort of conflict of interest? Was there any sort of connection between Judge VR and Carrie Newell? If so, what was the nature of that conflict of interest? Find the evidence. It's like anything else. Follow the money. And we just can't allow this anymore. You know, for people to say, well, I don't like the press. I don't like the news. It's depressing. Grow up. I'm going to say it once more. If you're one of those people, and I hear it more from women. I hate to say it than men. I don't like watching the news. It upsets me. Grow the F up. I'm just going to say it. This is part of your responsibility as a citizen. That's it. Not everything in life is going to be fun or entertaining. Grow up. Because right now we have a maturity deficit in this country that is beyond the pale. I am tired of it. This show will continue to speak hard truths to those in power. We will not stop, ever, as long as I have breath in my body, and I will continue to write. So once again, you can also check out my writing. Just Google my name, Janine Moloff, and you will find, you know, writing I've done at Huffington Post, uh, BuzzFlash, uh, Nation of Change, Op-Ed News. You can go on down the line. And just start reading, because I'm actually a much better writer than I am a broadcaster. Thank God. But this democracy, if you will, some people, Republicans call it a republic, whatever. This democratic rule cannot survive if the general population is either too lazy or too cowardly to defend their rights. It's really that simple. And I have no use, and again, I hear it more from women than from men. I hate to sound like I'm being sexist. It's my opinion. Every time I hear women say, I don't talk politics, it's upsetting. I swear to God, I want to smack them. I want to smack them so hard. Not that I would ever get violent, but I'm just saying, that is such a childish point of view. It is so immature that's somebody abdicating their responsibility as a citizen. And I'm not, I'm not going to listen to it anymore. I'm going to start calling people out. Again, we have to defend a free press. 
because right now there's very little of it, and it's the local outlets that are doing more of it. Just are. You know, here in my hometown of St. Louis, the Post-Dispatch is okay, but there's another paper that's really excellent. It's called the St. Louis American. It was a black-owned newspaper. They speak truth to power. They just do, and they keep publishing, and I'm so glad they're still around. We have to do this. We do a few silly things on here, like My Little Margie or Randy Rainbow to kind of lift things after a lot of heavy news. But the fact is, news isn't supposed to be entertaining. It's the news. It's information you need so you can make informed decisions about how you want your community to run. And if you have to have it as entertainment, something's wrong with you. I'm just going to say it. Every time I hear, and broadcasters are particularly notorious, you know, you'll hear the bromide, well, we come into your living rooms, and so we have to be likable. No, you don't. Walter Cronkite did not care about being freaking likable. He delivered the news. This is silly. I'm not interested in being friends with newscasters. A broadcaster says, I'm not interested in their personal life and their stupid jokes, which, by the way, aren't funny at all. I want news. And the minute we started blending entertainment with journalism, we were on a downward spiral. And that needs to change. But we also need to demand that the adults in the room actually behave as adults. Again, it just makes my blood boil. So whether or not you hold on to what few freedoms we still have left depends on whether or not the public will grow up and stand up to the powers that be. Because the one thing that the liars like Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump and the clowns at Fox all got right is, yes, we do outnumber them. So it's about time we use our numbers to stop this fascism in its tracks. That's our show for today. I hope you learned something. Good night and bless us all. We're going to need it.